where should someone start if they're frustrated with where they are in life or their career? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, for me, I call them fuel stations. What are your fuel stations? What are things that fill you up? And this could be as simple as getting outside, reading a book, getting together with people you haven't seen in a while. You know, maybe you're an entrepreneur of some sort or you create products or you're, you know, want to get involved in the community. Whatever it is for you, it's something that you look forward to doing. And when you're doing it, you enjoy it. Welcome to the show. So it's about how to dive into a world of self-discovery to find a more fulfilling life and work. With so many of us searching for meaning and purpose, it can be challenging to find the right path. That's why I'm thrilled to be joined by J.J. Geronimo, an author and former woman in tech who shares how letting go of your ego, mindfulness, and finding your fuel stations, the activities that fill you up, can lead you to a better life. Before we get started, let me remind you to please subscribe to this podcast and take a moment to rate it, review it, and share it so that it can grow. Link in the show notes to subscribe to my weekly newsletter, which offers life-changing mental health content and good news stories to get you through the week. Now, let's talk about my not-quite-zen moment of the week. This is actually a tough one because I wouldn't say that I had one particular moment, but many that I've been struggling with lately. I myself have actually been struggling with purpose and it's been showing up in the form of depression. And it's lasting a little bit longer than I normally would expect it to, but it's still not lasting more than a couple of days, luckily because of the tools that I have learned, you know, through my mental health journey to make things better. But that said, I'm still a little bit lost. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with my life right now. Luckily for me, listening back to this episode that I recorded earlier uh, was a big help in improving my mood. And it kind of showed me that I don't necessarily have to have all the answers right now. You know, life is a marathon. Changes can take a long time. I don't have to figure everything out right in this moment. So I feel better knowing that, and I hope that this episode can do the same for you. I would like to note that I had a minor audio issue with my microphone during the recording of this, uh, but I did enhance it as best as I could so that it would still be pleasing to the ear. I feel like the content is good enough that this episode should still be able to stand on its own despite the slight audio problems. Uh, And with that, let's get started with my conversation with JJ DiGeronimo. Jay, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Yeah, definitely looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, So to start, I often like to ask my guests kind of what was their not quite Zen moment of the week. So kind of thinking about maybe something that didn't go quite right. Maybe you didn't react the way that you wanted to. Tell us, you know, if you're comfortable, what was that moment for you? And kind of how did you recover from it or get better? I have at least one non-Zen moment a day, so these are easy to pick from. I think if you have teenagers, you know, they definitely push your buttons. For oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> and I have my own. <laughs> yes, and I have a teenage boy, and I mean, if I have to tell him 31 times to pick something up, I mean, 32, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. And it's mostly because I just can't hear myself again. Just can't do it. So I have like a family thing. 
Yeah. But I also have the work thing. I mean, I do a lot of work in all different industries and I have a lot of people I hire up Upwork and, you know, just trying to make sure that you get everything in lockstep, I think is hard when you're hiring consultants all the time. And so, you know, there's times where you think you said one thing and something else comes back and you just really have to start over again and be like, okay, I'm sorry, how did I describe that? What what did you think I meant? What do you, what did I mean? Um, and just really having that time to kind of reflect to make sure that you're showing up the way you think you are, because that doesn't always happen, especially for the receiver. Yeah. And it can be hard to see like when a message doesn't hit or land the way you thought it did, or maybe you thought you were perceived one way or another, but yeah, part of the daily struggle. So thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. So you wrote a book called Seeking 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. But before you became an author, you worked in Silicon Valley until you felt unhappy and disconnected from the work. So can you talk about that time working in tech and what that was like for you? Yeah. So working in tech was such a great career, but there were many times where I just felt like I just was not really living out my calling and quarterly-based numbers and selling SKUs and continuing to fill data centers with technology, although at times it was very exciting, it didn't really fill my bucket. And so I had to find other ways to sort of create my own fuel stations. And that happened over a long period of time. It wasn't like one day I was like, oh, I don't like this. It were small steps of, you know, I really just need a little more joy. I need to do a few more things. And I think from like 2008 to 2016 was like a process for me to figure out like how to move more towards something that was fulfilling. Do you have any like concrete examples of stuff that maybe that like you felt disconnected from or what some of those steps were that you started to take towards, you know, making progress to feel like more fulfilled? Oh, sure, sure. And and this really didn't happen for me until I was in my mid to late thirties. You know, I had young children, I had more of a leadership position, I was traveling more. And during those times, you just, you feel lonely. You really do feel lonely. And, you know, I tried to do book clubs and different gatherings around my community, but it just, it never really gave me the energy that I was hoping for. And sometimes I just, you know, I really found that I needed to almost create my own gathering of women that were experiencing life like me, of trying to juggle everything at home and everything at work and still trying to find some sort of level of joy. Because as you know, it's just busy, busy. Yeah, definitely. So, so what was the transition like for you? How did you move from what you were doing in Silicon Valley to what you're doing now, which I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that and what were kind of some of the challenges in doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, I did what everybody does. I went on a solo trip to Sedona for my 40th birthday to figure out what the heck I was supposed to be doing with my life, which I think is <laughs> not always normal, but I really needed that time alone to just sort of figure out like these I call them like internal whispers, these internal nudges wanted me to go out and do something different. But I was making my way up the corporate ladder and I was reaching the goals I had set for myself in my early 20s. So it was really hard to just leave that behind. And I did love my job in tech. It just, I was just being pushed to do something else. And I feel felt so unsettled and really at times so alone. And so going to Sedona and just spending three or four days talking to different practitioners, going to different activities to just get some clarity of how I felt. So, so where did that lead you? What are you doing now? Yeah. So 
just to put that in perspective, that was in 2013. Okay. So at 2014, I finally left my tech career and I started a full-time job working with women's groups across the country and even across the world, working with women in business to really help them maneuver the professional landscape. Because there's a true difference between working in your career and on your career. And I didn't really realize that till way too late in my career. So from that, I continued to gather more stories from women. And then 2016, I started doing even more spiritual seeking. I started visiting with energy practitioners. I started going on more solo trips. And that really was the basis for my third book, Seeking, which is a journey of figuring out how to sidestep yourself out and how to raise your energy and align with the right work. And that took me a good five years to do. Yeah, I think it could be hard when you're not living in accordance with your values and you may not even be aware of it, you know, kind of when you're going through that period of feeling disconnected at work or whatever it is in your life that is not bringing you joy. But sometimes it's hard to pick up on kind of what those subtle cues are. Sometimes they're obviously, you know, glaringly obviously you're depressed and, and upset and you hate your job. Uh, but sometimes they're a little more subtle. So how did you start to pick up on that? You know, like what are those cues that people should watch out for? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, you just, you find yourself, I found myself in a mud puddle, to be quite honest. Like I just was never really happy and things would set me off like an empty coffee pot. People showing up for meetings late, you know, not getting people, like not doing things on time or not following through. Like I found I just was more aggravated more often. Sure. And then my relationships too were sort of a lot of, I call them practicing polluters. People that just want to talk about the down, dirty, not things that are not working. And I just felt myself swimming in this negativity. And I think that's a really good cue that you're not on your pa- your path. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like leads me to my next question is, you know, someone start if they're frustrated with where they are in life or their career? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, for me, I call them fuel stations. What are your fuel stations? What are things that fill you up? And this could be as simple as getting outside, reading a book, getting together with people you haven't seen in a while. You know, maybe you're an entrepreneur of some sort, or you create products, or you're, you know, want to get involved in the community. Whatever it is for you, it's something that you look forward to doing. And when you're doing it, you enjoy it. So, you know, as we get busier as a society, as we're striving for this oasis of success, a lot of times we sidestep things that really fill our buckets. And getting to those types of things, even if it's just a half an hour a week, is a real great first step for people. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes a, a ton of sense to try to wean in more to like those types of things. But I think one of the things that could be a real challenge, especially for somebody that is struggling with burnout or if they have, you know, a mental health disorder is this feeling of all I want to do is sleep or all I want to do is just like at the end of the day, I can't think about doing anything else because I'm so drained that I just want to sit and watch TV. And I, you know, I still feel this way sometimes, even if it's not like a mental health stream, it's a uh, being overwhelmed with just everything going on and, you know, trying to run a business, but also keep a career going. So what advice would you have to kind of get over that hump? So something I would do and something I've had to do myself is really shift my focus. So 
I had to shift my focus to a focus of gratitude. So if you are sitting on the couch and can't get up, make a list on your phone. What are the five things I'm grateful for today? The next day, what are the six things I'm grateful for today? Because it really forces you to be in a present moment and it forces you to really kind of change your lens from what I don't want to do to what is happening around me. And it creates sometimes just that small shift gives you a little bit more perspective on, you know, the things that are working for you or the things that are going your way or the things you have access to, even if you're not tapping into them. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an unhooking technique. So if you think about, you know, your life and your values and where you want to go, every time you make a decision, you're either, you know, oftentimes you're making either what we call an away move or a towards move. So a towards move being towards the life you want to live, an away move. The way, and oftentimes these wave moves are the result of getting hooked by thoughts and feelings of struggle. So whether it's burnout or depression or being tired or the thought that like, you can't do this, we tend to believe these things and that it's hard to unhook and we can't do the thing that you just described, like, you know, writing down a gratitude journal. But I'll say like for, for anyone that's listening, I struggled with this myself too, for a long time. You know, I would go to therapy and they would say, oh, you should write down X, Y, Z or, or try this meditation journey. And it wasn't until. I slowly started building those skills that it really became effective. And now, like, I still get depressed. Like, as a matter of fact, a week ago, I was, I think I was depressed about something related to work. I think because they're talking about going back to a hybrid model. And I was like, I had to sit and thought myself that same day and write down, why are you upset? What's the core issue to help myself understand? And I'm able to work through that now because I've developed like those skills. And I think like the one that you described is a really great, easy skill. And even if you're not like, if you're, I know it sounds like it's so easy to just write it down, but even if you're feeling so overwhelmed and you can't just write it down, you know, just listing the five things can help reframe. So I, I like that, that you shared that. Thank you, Shane. Well, and one of the things that I learned that I think is really important, at least it helped me quite a bit because I also tend to dip into depression, is that our body comes with our ego. It comes with our body. And our ego is trying to protect us, you know, even though, you know, and it does a really good job, like not now, can't do it, shouldn't be, you know, it just is a fear-based mechanism to really keep you more in a safe zone. And I think if you can visualize that your body comes with your ego and that you are born, when you're born, your soul comes into your body. Your soul is a light, a light that's part of the bigger universe, that you're part of something so much larger. But most of us spend our whole lives trying to manage the ego instead of sidestepping the ego, which is that voice, that thought that nothing's going to work out, and let that soul light shine through. And that took me a long, long time to figure out. And I feel like my ego it can give me such a trap for me because as soon as I come up with an idea or a thought, my ego just unloads all of these things on why it's not going to work, why not now, who am I, what am I thinking? And I feel like being able to compartmentalize those dynamic thoughts that are happening all the time, many people call stories, is really when you can start to shift out of that doom and gloom. This is what I love about talking to different experts and having people on my show, because a lot of the same themes will come up. So like what you just described in acceptance and commitment therapy, which is what I you know try to teach, is this idea of um, selfless context, or we call it the observing mind. Um, and it, it's basically that. It, it's that you get trapped by like your thoughts and the stories that you tell yourself. It's like, if you imagine 
you know, like in the movie, the Disney movie, um, soul, like all her negative thoughts were kind of like towering over her. She was trapped by them. She couldn't see anything else. Once you can learn to break out of your own thoughts and your stories in your mind, then you can kind of detach from them and evaluate them as to whether or not they're helpful. Again, going back to that, those towards moves and those weight moves, and there's unhooking techniques to do this sort of thing. But the way I describe it too, and I love the way that you did is, um, I'm a, you know, I play video games growing up and stuff. And so if you've ever played a video game and you're controlling the character, it's like, you can think of your mind that way too. They're like, you're controlling the character. It's not controlling you. You know, so you don't have to believe every thought or listen and take every action, everything that comes into your head. Uh, so that was a great point for sure. So on that note, like a lot of us have regret, especially if we're thinking about being discontent with where we are in life and perhaps we're beating ourselves up a bit about maybe I should have done that, you know, would have, could have, should have moments. How can people drop their regret and start to let go of that to make progress? That is a tough question because I feel like a lot of that, again, is focusing on the past. And when you're not, you know, mindfulness for me was really kind of the catalyst that got me into where I am now. And I was at a therapist and she was like, she's like, you know, I kind of tried to dodge all those questions, like why I was really there. And I'm like, I just want to be more joyful. I just want to be more joyful. And she was like, she could tell I was kind of bullshitting her you know and she was like so she kept telling me i need to go to mindfulness training and i'm like no i don't need mindfulness training i need to be more joyful and so she basically said you know i'm not going to see you anymore until you go to mindfulness training so i started going to mindfulness training three times before i could actually sit through the whole class because i thought that my life was so important that i was so busy that i didn't have time for this but really, it was that mindfulness training, an eight-week John Kabat-Zinn course that allowed me to start noticing those thoughts. And I was sort of floored how often I'm talking to myself and almost 100% of the time, it's so, so negative. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're regretting what happened yesterday or last year or you're fearful about the future or you're worried about what will be happening, all of that is, is ego chatter. And until you can teach yourself how to be an observer, as you said, to your yeah. thoughts, you will be stuck in that cycle maybe your whole life. It's like, and these concepts that you're talking about are interconnected, as you, as you alluded to. And it's like, until you learn to kind of do that disconnection, or, you know, I'll talk about mindfulness and how that comes into play in a second, uh, echoing what you said. Until you can learn to disconnect, it's like you're on autopilot. You just, you're automatically just following whatever your brain is telling you. Uh, and that's like no way to kind of grab a hold of life and live your values and do the things that you want. And so I agree. I, mindfulness has been such a game changer for me. And here's like, it's, it's problematic for certain reasons because people, for whatever reason, get hung up on the word mindfulness. I don't know if it's because they're, you know, religious views or like they, they feel that it's like, it's rooted in, you know, Buddhism and religion, but like there's actually scientific evidence that shows how mindfulness can improve your life. And so like in ACT therapy, we talk about, we don't, we don't use the words mindfulness. We talk about connected to the present moment. And like what mindfulness really is, is it's like just learning how to live your life in the present moment. And, and like, if you suffer from anxiety or, you know, whatever, if you're trying to make progress, well, I wish I could stop worrying about X, Y, and Z, whether that's ruminations on the past or things about the future. But if you're spending all your time worrying about things that have happened or are going to happen, you're not living in the present and you're never going to find joy in your life. 
So like, what, what is your opinion on that? What do you think? Why do you think people get so hung up on the word mindfulness? Like, why is that hard for people? Um, and like, yeah, like why, how can we help them get over it? You know, I don't know, because I had the same feeling. I had yeah. the same, like, that just seems so simple. I don't need that. I, that's ridiculous. What is that really? And I, and maybe it's the name, you know, maybe it's at one point I called it like uh, monitoring your mind, you know, instead of mindfulness, because you don't realize how much you're saying. I just mindfulness, I think, just doesn't really encapsulate the profound learnings and awakening you have when you actually can figure out what it is. And in fact, I don't even think people should meditate if they don't know how to be mindful because yeah, I agree. they probably do what I do. When I was trying to meditate to a YouTube video or at a class or whatever, I was making lists in my head. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. Yep. Oh my gosh. Then, you know, that thought came. Then I hung on to that for him. Oh my. And the meditation was over. And like, I wasn't meditating one bit because I was so caught up in my thoughts that I was not meditating. And so I find that mindfulness was also a door opener on how to meditate because I was under the impression that you, either one of two things, you should have absolutely no thoughts while you're meditating or you should mind your thoughts, like really kind of dive into them while you're meditating. And it's really neither of those. It's just being present and like letting the thoughts go by. Being aware, observant of the thoughts, but not hanging on to any one thought. Right. It's like it's like watching a scene in a movie and just letting that movie go up by the next scene changes. I think I love what you said about understanding kind of mindfulness before you do meditation. And I think too that might be where people get hung up. I think people have a preconceived notion of what mindfulness actually is. And a lot of people probably associate so associate that with having to meditate, but it's not necessarily that. It's you know, a lot of little things, obviously I can't cover it all here, but it to what you said earlier, it's sitting down and writing what you're grateful for, you know, thinking about those things. It's, you know, going on a walk and noticing like the way that air feels on your skin and like the five things that you can see and all those kinds of things. And that was the kind of practice that brought me into a meditation practice that I actually really, really started to enjoy. And it just boils down to this simple idea of noticing things more. It's like, you know, like one thing I like to do is if I have to sit and wait somewhere and, you know, I grew up before the internet existed so I could do that, uh, you know, I'll try to find five things I notice in the office or I'll always sit and try to see, okay, what are all the things that I can hear? And it's like, it gives me like a free break in my day and I feel much more centered. So like, yeah, I, I agree that it's super important. So like, how did you use mindfulness to kind of transition your career and, and start achieving your goals? Well, I think, you know, mindfulness for me was to really just understand my fears. I think for me, myself, my talk trap, my self-doubt, my fears, because once I became more present to what my mind was serving up or my ego was serving up, I started to realize I have really deep money fears. I have really deep fears around what I think success is. I carry stories that happen with me since I was a child. I mean, I just became really present and how I talked to myself all the time. And I did a lot of energy practices. So I visited about 50 different energy practitioners to learn about all the different energy practices I could find because I really felt like I needed to clean out my vessel so that I could shine more light. And I was on a mission to make that happen. But more importantly, not just for myself, but I wanted to do it and, and document it for other people so that they don't think that these energy practices are so foreign or so voodoo. 
uh, that they really are avenues for you to tap into who you are. So I use the birth chart. I love the birth chart because it's kind of the date you were born, the location, the time, and it gives great insight to kind of your life's work. Human design uses the same details and it talks about how, you know, it talks, well, there's a lot of things in human design, but it kind of shows up like, how do you show up every day? And what is your life's work? And it's another layer. So I started using all of these tools to really help me figure out who I was and why I'm here on the planet. Talk about that for a second, this idea of, um, you know, energy. Uh, and so like, obviously, I don't know what energy practice is. I, I love for you to explain kind of to me what that means. I mean, I suffer from chronic daytime sleepiness, so I could certainly use more energy. Um, but, you know, if I'm being honest and if, I, if I'm trying to put myself in the ears of a listener, when I hear things like birth charts and energy, my walls go up immediately. I'm like, that sounds like pseudoscience. Like it doesn't sound legitimate to me. So like, help me understand, but I want to give you the benefit of that. I, I want you to help me and others kind of understand what you mean when, when you say that. Yeah, that's so interesting you saying it that way. Like the walls go up. I don't believe it. Like that's your ego. Your ego is like, oh no, nope, 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 nope. We don't do any of that. So the way I think about life is, you know, we are all a frequency. So for those of you that are used to listening to the radio, <laughs> you know, you could be at 94.9, you could be at 99.9, 102.5. You know, we all sort of elevate or reside at a frequency and you can shift your frequency up and down. And your frequency is essentially your energy field and it will often attract other energy fields. So if you're someone who wants to track people that have high energy and are aligned more with love and light, like you need to be that energy first. And that was my initial goal is like, I wanted to be more illuminated in my work. I wanted my work to inspire me and I wanted to do work that I felt like really touched a lot of people in a positive way that made them feel like things were possible. But the only way I could do that is I had to start with myself first. And so I had to dig through all my stories, dig through my doubts, you know, kind of talk through my relationship with my parents, talk about what happened in second grade. Like I had to clear my vessel of all this energy that was really kind of holding me down. So how did, how did you do that? So was that through therapy or, you know, how did you get turned on to this sort of work? Um, and yeah, kind of, can you describe that process for me a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I just did things that interest me. I believe like if things are calling you, you should take a step forward and do it. So, you know, I started, you know, I would take a massage and my massage service started doing Reiki. She's like, do you want to try Reiki? I'm like, sure. I already knew the woman. I felt safe with her. I started it. Then I had a shoulder issue and my doctor's like, you should try acupuncture. So I tried acupuncture. I mean, this happened over a series of almost eight years. And little by little, I would just try other avenues, TRE, trauma release. It like you, sh um, a woman that crossed my path, she was in Indonesia. They do this there. Like you hold so much energy in your body during different situations. There's studies like when there's, um, you know, natural disasters, kids will shake it out. Well, adults actually hold it in. And so TRE is a way to shake out energy and holding it. It's non-invasive. You just lay on, in, on a yoga mat and you just shake it out with your legs. So most things are very, very healthy and um, easy. And really, it's just trying to find things that work for you. And I think the more honest you are about yourself of like what you want to work through, um, things will come your way. And so I, and, and one of the things I did is I did start a community 
of these energy practitioners because most of my work was on Google. I had like find people or ask, ask, ask. So now I brought a lot of the people that I've worked with into my community together. We seek dot online so that people don't have to do all that work. And I interview them because I want people to see like this is totally normal and that getting in touch with nature and aligning with ancient wisdom um, has been pushed to the corners due to religion. Uh, it's not is not bad. It's not bad. It's just really tuning into who we are and allowing that energy of our soul to shine as bright as we can. And to do that, we generally have to let go of what we've collected along the way. Yeah, I think that's an important point. The last thing that you said about letting go of what we've collected, you know, because because even me, like when I hear energy, I'm like, man, I don't. It sounds a little like out there for me. But like to your point, you know, I used to feel that way about meditation and stuff too before I learned about mindfulness. And I think like the key takeaway from my perspective is it's like, look, if you've been in, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is like the number one most prescribed common type of therapy that anybody goes to, if you if you woke up a therapist and you go to whatever your insurance provides, that's, you know, 90% of what you're going to get is CBT. And you've been going for several years and it's not working. Try something else. You know what? Like, that's what I yeah, did. Yeah, try tapping, try Reiki, try, you know, I mean, there's just so many things. Try tuning forks, try, it's amazing. Try ancient flute. Why not? Why not? And I think many of you, if you allow yourself, you may enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Good point. So thank you for sharing that with me. I want to jump back for a second, going back to kind of some of the challenges with, you know, moving on in terms of like your career and, and finding a more fulfilling life. So this is something I struggle with. How do you deal with the problem of golden handcuffs? So like, you know, finances can be a real thing. It's like, you know, I know I'm unhappy doing what I'm doing, but it's not like I can just quit my job and like do this full time or, uh, you know, for other people, you know, it's, you know, you have debts or whatever. So how do you overcome that process or start to make steps when you have responsibilities and things that you have to deal with like that? Yeah. And exactly why I didn't leave my job the day I decided I wanted to. It took six years. But hopefully, you know, for you, this podcast and these discussions are fuel stations for you. So you go back into your job having a little bit more energy because of the things you're doing off the side of your desk. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So that was going to be the title of my book, Off the Side of Her Desk, because there are so many people doing things off the side of their desk that really empower them or inspire them. And, you know, money's no different than anything else. Money is a frequency too. And that was one of my biggest lessons that I'm still learning. I have three chapters on money. Uh, I came across the author, Lynn Twist, who has the book Soul of Money. And she, you know, she talks about all the things you did about chasing the money and having this wine and this artwork and travel, this and that. And um, she had a life epiphany and she's done a lot of work with just the energy of money and how society has a, you know, not enough mantra. It's not enough sleep, not enough friends, not enough this, not enough that, not enough that. We're all living in this not enough mindset um, that makes us just feel like there's not enough money. And her work is absolutely fantastic. I write about it because it really is what I needed to shift from a child that had no money growing up going to tech, making millions, losing it, starting over, doing it again, you know, and now being in my own business where the money is not the same, obviously, in tech. But the energy that I create is so much more fulfilling. And so finding those shifts in my life 
that allow me to do this work, right? I don't have the same lifestyle, but did I need that lifestyle to begin with? Yeah, I, and that's a really good point. And, and I agree with you. I think it takes time for these things. And I love this, uh, the terminology you use about fuel stations. I, I, that, I think that's really uh, smart and uh, c- easy to connect with this idea of kind of refueling, especially as somebody who's ha- kind of an introvert. And so I need that kind of like wind out time. But yeah, like for me, I was in a marketing career where, you know, I was working for healthcare, I was making six figures, but I had gone through the ringer. I've been laid off multiple times. I was tired of the private sector, you know, so I went back to the federal service. I took a pay cut, you know, but the pace of work was a lot less. And so it's, it's constantly like becomes an evolving thing where it's like, okay, your circumstances are not always going to stay Change is always going to happen. And as things change, you can look at those variables and decide what you're going to do. They're going back to talking about like hybrid work and stuff. And so then it becomes, okay, do I, you know, go along with and certainly change careers and maybe find something more meaningful. So it's like, if you're out there and you're struggling with the same thing, it's like, you don't have to give up everything. You might be able to make a lateral move, but be a little bit happier kind of thing. And it's like, it adds up, right? Well, and there's just so many topics you talked about. I mean, you could, in addition to your podcast, teach other people how to do podcasting or you could start some courses for people that are listening to your podcast that can't get out of the funk and you bring some of your specialty speakers together to create courses that you do in the evening. So I always think there's ways for you to create additional revenue streams, but I think sometimes we have to get around our mindset of, am I worthy? Can I do this? Am I ready? Is now the right time? And some of us, to be rea- to be realistic, is we have young kids or kids that need to be driven everywhere, and we don't have a lot of time. This is not our time blue. So you might be in more of a winter zone right now where you're just kind of keeping everything going so that when you do approach spring, you're trying to think of new ways to really engage in the world. Love that. Yeah, great idea, for sure. Definitely looking around for things. And, and yeah, you're right. I, I think like season, seasonality is important, too, and, and confidence is an important thing, too, to break through. So- What's something that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have asked you or, you know, what's something else you may, might like to add on to this conversation that I, I didn't ask? Well, I guess, you know, a couple of things that I've already sort of highlighted is that things take time. They take time. And that, you know, just being one of my biggest lessons is patience is, you know, I wanted everything to happen like right away. And if you look at my journey you know, in 2008, I started a woman's group. In 2010, I wrote my first book. In 2013, I went to Sedona. It's 2022. It's been a long journey. And I've had to make very purposeful steps uh, on a weekly or monthly basis. But they weren't giant steps. Yes. They were small steps every day, every week that added up. And I feel like, you know, some people right now are like, well, you've got all this. Well, I do, but it's been 12 years that I'd, or maybe 14, that I've been working on building these assets, this information, and, you know, really knowing your life's work or even getting your human design. I think it really takes some of the guesswork of like how you work and why you're here. Most of us do 360s or Myers Briggs. I tell people, like, get your human design done, get a birth chart done, do something that you can get additional insight of who you are. Because for me, that's really what it took for me to sidestep my inner voice that was like, I just don't think so. Not now. You're not ready. When I feel like for many of us, we just need a little push because we know the work we love to do. We know what draws our attention. And many of us don't know how to make that so. And so even staring off the side of your desk for, you know, I served like 30 minutes a day 
you know, twice a week, one hour, just researching like, what do people do in this area? Or where, what is a class I can go to? Or you can go online and get out like a meetup or something with people that talk about something you're interested in. I feel like don't, don't, um, hold yourself back when you have an opportunity to put yourself out there. I'm really glad we had the chance to have this conversation today because these are some of the things that I've been, you know, struggling with after doing this for about a year now. Um, and, and I think you have a lot of really great points. And I want to try to summarize them real quick and then I'm going to say, what did I miss? But um, so I think number one, like one of the things you described is this idea of that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's something I think I've heard repeatedly over and over and over again from, you know, business mentors that I've had in, in other leaders and people that have grown something out of nothing is that it takes a lot of time. And then in order to, um, you know, stay sustained and keep going along the way, you need those fuel stations, those things that fulfill you being able to take a step back and, and get more of that in your life so that you can keep, you know, working your nine to five while you're, you're working out the side of your desk and things that you are pursuing to be more fulfilling. And then I think like the third component of that is the mental health aspect, which I think, again, goes back to your point with those fuel stations, you know, that's helpful, but it's also finding like what works for you, whether it's, you know, energy healing or CBT therapy, act therapy, a million different things. Uh, did I miss anything in the summary of kind of what we talked about today? No, I think you said it great. I think it's just prioritizing yourself. You're the only person that's going to prioritize you sadly, but true. And like checking out other practices, gatherings, books, podcasts, YouTube channels, like anything can raise your frequency, but you have to be committed to doing it. And I think you've got to also check on like who you've spent time with, because sometimes we spend time with people that we've had relationships for a long time that are just pulling our frequency down or maybe pulling other people's frequency down. So it, it really does start and end with you. Yeah. Great point. I, yeah. You want to surround yourself with people that you aspire to be like, I think that's a really good point and, and look at the relationships in your life that are bringing you down. That's awesome. So what are you promoting right now? You know, and where can people find you? You know, please share that. Oh, thanks. So I, yeah, I did write my third book. It's called Seeking, uh, as you mentioned at the top of the hour. And, you know, for me, it's been the journey and it's really about, it's a very vulnerable book about really what it has taken for me to get to this point. But in the process, I created the community Together We Seek and I'm interviewing energy practitioners about their journey. And most of them have worked in corporate America. Most of them have been in very religious families and they, you know, found a way to use energy to help themselves. And oftentimes they start helping other people. So if you're interested in energy practices or just want to check it out, it's free to come and just listen to the videos about what all these different energy practices are just to get an idea of, you know, maybe there's something I can check out to just shift my energy. Yeah. And I will put a link to JJ's site in this show notes. So you can not only find the book Seeking, but all of the other uh, courses and things that she offers, uh, you know, if you're interested in what she said, I think she has a lot of great things to say. JJ, thank you so much for joining me for this time. I truly appreciate it. It was a pleasure uh, getting to know you and speaking with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Tony. It's a great conversation. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified every time a new one is posted. Also, Please rate, review, and share this podcast because the more we talk about mental health, the better life can get for those who struggle. Now, please join me in taking one small step towards a calmer day with a two-minute meditation.
start by taking a relaxed but alert posture. If you're driving, continue to focus on the road, and if you're not, feel free to close your eyes or relax your gaze. Feel the weight of your body as gravity connects you to the earth and makes you feel grounded. Relax the muscles in your face, your neck, your shoulders, and the rest of your body. Now let's begin to shift your focus to the breath. Take a deep breath and follow it as it fills your lungs. Exhale slowly and let it all out. Continue to take long, slow breaths, paying attention as it enters your body and brings you calm as it leaves. If your mind is wandered off, slowly bring your attention back to the breath. Now, relax your attention. Take this calming energy with you as you go about your day. Thanks for listening. I hope you join me next time.